Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The best in the business, and also a great service department at Sunbury Motors. Well, tonight's the night. Ping pong balls floating around. The Knicks have a 14% chance of getting Zion Williamson. The Cavaliers have a 14% chance of getting Zion Williamson. The Phoenix Suns have a 14% chance of getting Zion Williamson. The Lakers have a 2% chance of getting Zion Williamson. Mm. No other team in NBA history has won the lottery more often than the Cavaliers. LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Bennett, Andrew Wiggins, who has then traded for Kevin Love, Love, I should say. Yeah. But it's all coming up tonight. So... It is the Knicks at 14%, Cavs at 14 Suns at 14%, the Bulls, 12.5%, the Hawks, 10.5%, uh, the Wizards, 9%, uh, Pelicans, 6%, Mavs, 6%, Memphis, 6%, T-Wolves, 3%, Lakers, 2%, Hornets, 1%. Heat, 1%. Sacramento Kings, 1%. You know what I've noticed in all of this? These are the same teams as last year, I think. All right, we'll come back. <laughs> no, some have changed, obviously. All right, play-by-play call today. Dave Sims with the call of a former Williamsport crosscutter winning it last night for the M's. Here we go, two balls, two strikes. The pitch to Narvaez. Took a lot off. Face hit left field. Here comes Antenna around third. Getting the wave on. Here's the throw to the plate. Not in time. Omar Narvaez wins it with a two-out. RBI single to left in the Mariners. They win it 6-5 to five here in this Monday night in Seattle. And the winning run scored by Domingo Santana, the former Williamsport crosscutter. And we are closing in on the season opener. Let's say the 14th of May. So we got 17. We got 31 days until that opener between State College and Williamsport at Bowman Field on June 14th, a Friday night. I love my summer of baseball. I enjoy it very much. All right. Let's bring in Neil Kulong now. Neil, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hello, how are you guys doing? Doing very, very well. All right, uh, so here we are now. We're going through these camps. We've found out that Kyler Murray isn't exactly enamored about his shoes and so forth. What, if anything, do you learn at this time of the year, Neil? 
that uh, probably that athletes are much better on social media than you think they are. Yes. Um, if, if anything, it, it gets to a point, and it's going to continue to be this. I said this a while ago. We're, we're going to see uh, contract news being broken by the players themselves and by the agents themselves right. far more often than the national beat reporters in probably 10 years or so. The, the smart players kind of do that now. Um, they, they make their own news. They, they want to draw more attention to their social media uh, channels, right. which in turn brings them more notoriety, you know, more fans. They, they see, they're seen as a voice, as an opinion leader. It only makes sense. So in this time of the year, too, none of them are going to say much to, to the assembled media that are there. There isn't really a whole lot to say anyway. They're, they're not really doing anything, it, you know, especially in rookie minicamp. All they're doing is really getting a, a sense of – the things that they'll do in the full team minicamp um, in in June. So there's nothing news related unless there's an injury involved, and that that's obviously a different story. So it, most of them can kind of drive this cycle themselves when the the you know white hot NFL spotlight is on them. They can kind of use it as as the opportunity to do whatever they'd like to do with it. You know, Cam Hayward has a, a birthday party. Um, with a, a bunch of um, you know underprivileged kids that he's right. doing in, in you know conjunction with his own birthday coming up, that's an opportunity for him to kind of push those types of things, and you know it, it, it makes sense in a way, and it, it, it's really a dead news cycle anyway. And you know the smart players, I think, are are the ones that are going to capitalize on that, and that that's really you know for me that's what I've seen this year, probably more than any other year. Uh, it was interesting. Joe Flacco, who's now with the Broncos, said, quote, it is not my job to groom Drew Locke. What was your thought when you read the Joe Flacco quotes about grooming Drew Locke? You know, I, I don't know why quarterbacks even bother saying these kinds of things. Um, I know. No, I, I guess in a literal sense he's right. But at the same time, you know that you have a role in that regardless. And, you know, in all offense, all, all respect in the world to you, Joe. There, there's no way in the world you could possibly think that that's an even competition. You're not going to be on that team next year. Um, there, there's no doubt about that. He's he's going to watch what you do to learn how to be a starting NFL quarterback. It may not be your job to do it, but it's your job to do your job, and that's what he's watching. So, you know, it, it may not be a literal thing, but in the end, it's not anything that's going to endear you to anybody. You may as well just say, you know what, I'm I'm here to help the team. I'll help anybody that asks um you know i get the sense that if i ask a lot of people they'll help me too so it, it, that would be the better statement in my mind otherwise you know if, if joe doesn't want to do it that's fine if he doesn't want to actively mm-hmm. go out of his way to do it that's fine but they're all in the same room they're all working together it, it, it's not going to kill you to answer a few questions if the kid asks that that's the message you should be given out at this point not talking about what your job is the XFL signed a very interesting contract. Uh, they signed a contract that puts them on ABC, Fox, Fox Sports 1, and ESPN, which you and I both know if they have a contract with ESPN, ESPN will do stories every single day about them, whether it's online, bottom line, on Sports Center, whatever. It is extremely difficult for any new league to really have a shot these days. But when you saw those TV contracts, what what did that what did that say to you? To me, um, what it says on the surface is the XFL is smart enough to go secure those kinds of partnerships. Yeah. Um, just beneath the surface, though, if they're talking about that many uh, TV partners, 
I'm not entirely sure that they have much of a, a, a structure set up. I mean, those are competing companies in some cases. Um, it, only one station, I would imagine, is going to put the game on. ESPN has, what, 17 different channels they can put it on. Sure. Fox has a bunch of channels. Um, where they're going and where those channels are in your basic cable package, if it's even there, um, your premium cable packages, uh, it, that's that's probably more of what this would be about uh, when we get into it. So, I mean, it, it's definitely good to secure, you know, uh, interest in these things and, and put it on TV somewhere is going to be a good thing. Um, where it is, the times that these are going to be on, what they're in competition with, how that was all determined, those would be more you know in-depth questions that, that would paint the picture a little bit more clearly. But um, in the end, I mean, it's definitely good, and I think this is probably the, the preliminary announcement um, just to, to kind of try to, to build up the hype as much as they can. It, it's the right thing to do that now, but it, it's probably very early in the deal. Um, you know, summer programming isn't exactly you know right. chock full of everything just because most of the time you, you don't have that uh, you know the the, the massively huge uh, NFL stuff that, that every station will put on. So it, with that in mind, um, they'll put it on somewhere. I'm, I'm curious uh, how those stations would cover it. Um, ESPN in particular, I, I can't imagine they're going to put a beat reporter on that. Um, you know, I, I don't know if like the AP plans on covering it or, or right. whatever it is. It, it'll be interesting to see what they get in terms of traditional media along with their TV. Um, a lot of it they might have to do on their own, you know, but they, they're going to have to do something news related if, if they want to continue to be in, um, you know, in the public's eye. If they, they want to be you know, on the, the list, on the agenda of activities that, you know, your, your typical reader is going to look for in a particular day. They're going to have to have known uh, networks as well as their own uh, covering these things to, so people can get to know the players who are there. And hopefully all, along with that, they're putting up a product that people want to watch. This country loves football. The NFL is incredibly popular. College football is incredibly popular. But is it popular enough, in your opinion, to sustain anything in the spring? Um, my opinion, unless it is tied uh, directly with the NFL or with college, no. Right. Yeah. Um, think of it like this. I, I grew up in, in uh, uh, Minneapolis, Minneapolis-St. Paul area. They have a, a very popular independent league baseball team. Yes, the uh, St. Paul, Paul, Saint. Paul Saints, yep. Yeah, they are a, a, they're a great draw. They're probably the biggest independent team in the U.S. Just they they have a brand. They market it very well. They have a new stadium. It's about eight thousand capacity, something like that. Um, back in the Metrodome days, it was great to go to a Saints game because it was outside. It's still a wood bat league. Um, it, it's nice as a novelty. You're not going to like sit down and really follow the Saints at a competitive level because when you sit down and watch it, if you know what you're watching, with all due respect to them, it's not good baseball. Right. Um, you, you get a few stars here and there. A lot of times um, a, a, a draft pick out of college that didn't want to sign, they'd go play for an independent league team like the Saints. So I, I saw um, Jason Veritek, if you remember him. They, sure. They drafted by the Red Phillies, Sox. didn't want to yeah. sign with the Phillies. He ended up with the Red Sox, won a yeah. World Series with them. Uh, we saw him play straight out. I think he went to Florida State. Uh, he mashed. He just destroyed the pitching in that level because pitchers are throwing 78 miles an hour. And, um, spring football is going to be a lot like that, except you're not going to ever have a big-name player that, that goes through there. These are guys that are probably trying to get on a roster, whereas they don't have the guys that are off of a roster 
um, kind of winding down their career, maybe looking for another opportunity. That market isn't there. You know, the older player um, that, <coughs> that might not have a camp invite right now that wants to get some film out there to, to show teams, uh, the older guys in the NFL don't go anywhere. It's a young guy's game. So really, these are guys that haven't had the shot yet that are trying to get up there. And there's no real intrigue by them, and they're, they're typically very raw players. You're just, you put a collection of them together on the field, you're not even getting Division One football. I mean, you're going to see a, a, a hodgepodge of you know, perhaps decent athletes, but the coaching is inferior, the equipment is inferior, they're not practicing at a real rigorous level, they're not being taken care of financially, so there, there are you know, uh, distractions for the players. You're just, I think people are just used to, you know, as razor sharp of a game, at their particular levels, uh, Division One A football is the NFL is. Uh, when you watch this, you're going to see more like club league uh, football. We, we aren't used to seeing that. We really don't right. watch it um, to, to that degree, and it's a massive disappointment when you sit and watch it. It's like this isn't all that much fun. These guys can't throw, they can't catch, they can't block, they can't tackle. They're not even really doing a whole lot schematically that, that's interesting to see. They're you know more than anything uh, when you look at past leagues in other sports. Uh, they all have something that they kind of added to, um, you know, the, the the big parent league as we know it now. Like the NBA, without the ABA, they didn't have the three-point shot. Right. Um, without the WHL, they, they didn't have overtime in the regular season. Um, right. you know, the NHL today has it because of the, the, the WHL back in the day. Right. It, things like that. So, to me, the XFL would have to do something that would make the game itself right. more interesting that's still realistic, that's something that perhaps the NFL would want to try. You know, the NFL throws out silly little ideas all the time. If the XFL could kind of, you know, try to beat them to the punch one step ahead of it and do things right. that make the game more interesting to watch, then you might find some more excitement to it. But it's it's really not going to be at the personnel level, and we're not going to see great football. It's that simple. We never have. I don't see why that changes now. Uh, I think I started up asking, what, what did we learn this time of the year? The, the Steelers go into this. Look, there is no hitting in these things. Right? So if there's no hitting in these things, what, what, do, what do coaches find out other than the fact that they get out there and work out for a few times? Yeah, there's barely even hitting in training camp. <laughs> that, that, and camp. that's very true. Uh, what, what, uh, what Mike Tomlin will say uh, in regards to rookie minicamp is really all they're doing is showing the younger guys the drills to expect come minicamp. And at minicamp, a lot of the times what Mike says is we're showing them the drills to expect the training camp. So I, I don't think uh, Tomlin and his staff put a huge amount into these. I think it's an opportunity to see guys, make sure they're in shape, uh, run them for a bit, make sure that they're at a level of conditioning that um, they'll be able to sustain a training camp. Um, check out injuries, get a chance to talk to the guys, kind of right. see where they are, and, and you know, just you know, it, perhaps to, to a light degree go over some schematic things that they're planning on doing um, in the upcoming year. But the vast majority of what um, Mike and his staff have always said that they, they do is they'll, you know, they have ideas that they're working on. These are very general football-specific types of things to, to work on to give them a sense of what to go work on before training camp. So it, it, it's not really a, a outwardly competitive time. I think it's a time just to eyeball the guys who are there under contract, maybe see a couple guys who are unsigned that they want to bring in. They signed like five of them uh, yesterday, I think. Right. Um, get a look and, and see where guys are and, and give them the, best, uh, the most information that they can so they can best prepare themselves. Uh, for training camp this summer. 
Finally, what does Ben Roethlisberger's contract do to the Steelers' cap space in the next couple of years? Um, it a lot of that is going to hinge upon how much um, the salary cap will increase or if it'll level off. I mean, it right. most expected that it will increase. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, Ben's numbers are uh, you know locked in, whereas the the salary cap is a floating. Right. number that right. that varies from team to team you have your baseline number uh plus whatever it is that you might have carried over from the year before so that number is going to fluctuate and change but it really what what gives me more pause is the fact that ben's contract runs through uh the expiration of the current cba right so uh you know i, I wouldn't expect a whole lot to change in terms of the salary cap um, although, to, to some degree, everything kind of bleeds down to the salary cap. It's based on a, a, a certain uh, split between players and owners um, for, for you know salaries, what, whatever it is teams will be allowed to allocate for salaries. Um, that number, I would imagine, would be expected to rise, although um, I'm interested to see the, the union's position on the fact that you're really starting to see uh, what former Pitt Panther uh, and and failed um, uh, union chief Sean Gilbert said was going to happen, which was the cap expanding the way that it is and bringing the veteran floor up the way that they did, which wasn't all that much back in the, the previous CBA, it opened the door for massive quarterback contracts while mid-level spending has stayed very flat right. uh, during this entire time. So in other words, you increase the cap, all that does is make you pay quarterbacks more. You're not yeah. paying the veteran nine-year defensive lineman more. Um, those numbers aren't increasing. I'm, I'm curious if the union's going to say something about that because on the surface, what the league is going to argue is we raise the cap, we by and large spend at the cap. There are some who don't. There are some who are right at it. But mm -hmm. uh, spending has gone up along with revenues. We've done that. But uh, if you break down the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but I promise you the vast majority of the money that's, <laughs> that's been spent has been on quarterbacks. Right. So it, 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 with that, it makes you wonder if – the union wants to fight for more and set up some type of, of mid-level exception like they have in the NBA um, to, to facilitate, um, you know, less consequential payments to veterans. You know, they, they have something for uh, the salary cap specifically when it comes to that. A player over, I think, what, nine years of experience, uh, they count as a, a, a mid-level right. um, minimum right. on the cap, whereas they're being paid probably twice that overall. But you're talking about – 550,000 a year versus like 1 million. So it, it's not, uh, you know, really filtering out to the players as much. And getting back to the original point before I ramble even more, Ben's contract <laughs> obviously is way above all of that. And the, the proportion of total revenue that'll be put into the cap itself, that will impact how much, um, you know, Ben's hit is on the team. But clearly the team has no issues at all with him being by far and away the highest paid player. And that gap is probably only going to continue to increase considering where the Steelers are uh, with their roster over the next two years. Um, I, you know, whoever it is, it's the second highest paid player now that Brown is gone is way below Ben and probably will be that way until Ben retires. So it, he'll be the bulk of the cap. It's really going to come down to, to uh, you know, a guy like uh, TJ Watt, a guy like James Conner, sure. what types of deals they're looking at to get long-term. I'd imagine they, they want to keep both of those players. Um, and then, you know, I, who knows, whoever comes after that, um, obviously not Artie Burns, but other guys <laughs> that, uh, you know, that, that, that might find themselves, um, you know, in a pretty good spot to get more money. Uh, Ben's, Ben's cap hit relative to that will probably be the typical 12 to 15% that it is for most teams that have a, a franchise quarterback set in place.
Neil, always great. Appreciate it, my friend. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Neil Kulong. Um, so one quick, uh, don't want to correct guess, but I believe he was referring to J.D. Drew playing for the St. Paul Saints. Remember, he wouldn't sign with the Phillies, and so he kept himself as a free agent, and that's what uh, he went to the St. Paul Saints. Jason Veritek was acquired by the Red Sox in a trade with Seattle. All right. We will uh, come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. And it's out of here! Get a home run of a deal with SMC. Sunbury Motors Ford has incredible made deals that will have you cheering too. Just listen. Ford's MVP, the top-selling 2019 F-150 truck, has 0% financing for up to 72 months. Plus, save up to 13 grand off. And SMC has 65 to pick from. 2019 Ford Escape, start at 17485 And SMC has 47 to choose from. Take $7,500 off 2019 Ford Explorers. Eight grand off 2019 Ford Edges and Echo Sports at a whopping $8,500 off 2019 Ford Escapes. And you can hit a grand slam with up to $12,000 off Ford Expeditions. In May, SMC is better than the ballpark. Sunbury Motors Ford in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf. Interesting, we're going to be doing... A show later in the year on WHVL about the 1994 team. This is now 25 years since they played, and of course went 12-0. and Now they were recognized by the New York Times uh, as national champions. Trying to think of, there might be a couple of other organizations they did, like the Washington Touchdown Club. Uh, if you go to the official NCAA guide, they will, uh, there's actually seven Penn State teams that end up being recognized in the guide as national champions. And the 94 team happens to be one of them. Well, when you uh, but when you look back on that season, you want to talk about along the way yeah, Penn State was recognized by the New York Times. Let's see. Then there's some like the yeah, there's a group called Fact that's a um, that's done on analytics. I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Penn State 1969 team is recognized as a national champion by Fact. Um, now, ironically, the undefeated Penn State team in '73 was not Alabama, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, 
Oklahoma were. Um, but the 1981 Penn State team was recognized by Dunkel, even with two losses as the national champion. You know, the 11 and 12 teams were recognized, but there have been seven Penn State teams that were recognized, five more than the two, of course, that were consensus. The 94 team was recognized by FACT, NCF, uh, and the New York Times. All right, Nebraska was named on the vast majority of them. And, of course, were declared as the consensus national champion. The... 94 team was the victim of timing in two areas. One is the timing of the fact that Tom Osborne had never won a national championship. He had a great opportunity in uh, 1983, to his credit, he went for two points, trying to win it instead of playing for a tie. A tie probably would have given him a national title, but he went for two, to his credit, because he wanted to win it. And they didn't hit the play, and they lost by one. He had not won a national championship at that point. I firmly believe that that played a major role in Nebraska getting recognition. I think if they had already won one, Nebraska may still have won, maybe, but... It would have been exponentially closer. Now timing number two. Penn State being in the Big Ten for only a second year. Do not discount in any way, shape, or form that Penn State getting into the Big Ten ruffled a lot of feathers. Penn State, I mean, what what does it tell you in no uncertain terms that Rutgers was a unanimous selection to be an all-Big Ten member, and Penn State was not? Penn State needed seven votes to get in. Indiana, Michigan, and Minnesota all voted no. They had to convince Northwestern, which was more than willing to vote yes. I mean, Northwestern did not have a problem voting yes for Penn State. But the problem that they had was they thought that Penn State might be replacing them in the conference, and they were going to stay at 10. It wasn't until they were assured in no uncertain terms that there would be 11 Big Ten schools that Northwestern just said, yeah, well, yes, we'll vote yes.
Well, when you enter the conference and that's the atmosphere you enter in, that's not a plus. So when Penn State finally got in, they played the 93 season. They lose to Ohio State, and they lose to Michigan. The Michigan game with Alex, it was the thousandth game in the history of Penn State football. Alexander ran a punt back for a touchdown. It's, you know, okay. And then the Ohio State game with Raymond Harris had a big game. I think he ran for 129 yards. It was played in total mud on a field where the grass was like three inches high on Halloween in a driving snowstorm. I mean, it was just all mud. But Ohio State just, by the way, that had nothing to do with Ohio State winning. They were the better team that they they deserved to win. I'm just telling you what the atmosphere was. Well, the next year, Penn State comes out, and they demolish everybody they play. I mean, along the way, until you get to the Michigan game. You know, you're playing Iowa. You lead the game 35-0. You're playing USC. You lead the game 35-0. At the half. At the half, you're winning 35-0. At the half, you're leading Iowa 35-0. They ran Minnesota out of the Metrodome. Then they finally get tested at Michigan. And at Michigan, Penn State plays really well, and Kerry Collins throws eventually the winning touchdown pass to Bobby Engram. They win it like 31-24. Brian Miller defensively, I think, recovered a fumble late in that game. And the uh, but after that, Penn State goes back into cruise control again. You know, we had Keith Conlon on the show last week. And they go back into cruise control. And they they take Ohio State and they beat them sixty three fourteen, which now furthers my point on Penn State's entrance into the conference. You have a series of writers who have covered Big Ten football for you, and they just, you know, and they're watching this happen, and they don't like it. So they start throwing their support to Nebraska. This can't be real. Who are these interlopers coming in? And... That's why, at least in a playoff now, you can at least determine some of it on the field as opposed to having people of limited football knowledge, and they and take my word, no, you know, they, they should take offense. I, I was offended by the fact that they don't understand how good that football team was. Penn State plays Nebraska. Penn State probably is a 7-10 to 10 point favorite. Now, Vegas probably would have made Penn State a three- or four-point favorite. They'd have beaten that team by two touchdowns. I mean, two touchdowns. It was the the deceptive Indiana game. Penn State won 35-29. 
And, of course, the comeback against Illinois the day they won the Big Ten Championship. I mean, they won the Big Ten Championship and still had two games to play. They still had two more regular season games to play. That's how early they clinched it. A team that good, that dominant, to not be recognized. I mean, to this day, again, timing means everything. Osborne had never won a national championship. Timing. And you had certain writers in the Midwest that didn't know whether the ball was stuffed or inflated. Oh, I'm sorry, they're esteemed. Sorry, you're not esteemed. You know, you're not esteemed. Right? You're just, you know. I'll admit when I'm prejudiced, I'm obviously prejudiced toward Penn State. I'll admit it straight out. Everybody knows that. No doubt. Those people, no, no, we're independent. No, you're not. You're vindictive. Because that was a vindictive time. Believe me. I went around to enough places during the course, you know, I mean, I went on all the, I was at all these games. I mean, I know what the atmosphere was like. I was there. People weren't exactly throwing their arms open. I remember, I'll never forget this quote. Penn State went to the Fiesta Bowl in 1996. It was when they beat Texas. And that was. You know, the bigger bowls, the BCS bowls, you got a lot more money if you went there. And, of course, the money went to the conference and it was divided up. And somebody at Purdue said to me, he says, you know what, none of us here really appreciated Purdue until we get that Fiesta Bowl check. Now some of us appreciate So you know, in the end, that's what it comes down to. Timing meant everything as to why that team did not get its just due. And I firmly believe that they played Nebraska, they'd have beaten that team by 10 points to two touchdowns. I don't. In fact, if they were to play the team, it would not have been a close game. Would not have been a close game. People in Nebraska may not like it, but we all are entitled to our opinion. I've had enough of reading everybody else's opinion for a long time. I think I'm entitled to my own and my own judgment. That team got ripped off and got ripped off badly. You're going to tell me that Nebraska's defense was going to slow that group down? They, that, that offense for Penn State, the fewest points they scored in the game was 31. That's the fewest they scored. And you know, and Penn State played the seventeenth rated schedule in the country that year. Nebraska's schedule is ranked fifty seventh. Fifty seventh. Penn State's was seventeenth. <laughs> Timing means everything in life. For example, take our current timing. According to our current timing, I need to take a break. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Every time this song plays, the suit makes a sale. 
There you go. Goes back to my high school. This goes back to my high school days. No, we haven't played this in four months. Uh, So, (laughs) let the music play. Shannon, 1984, high school flashback. This will probably be on the reunion playlist coming up this summer when our 35 year reunion happens. Really, your 35 year reunion? That's right. I have that in early August. Yes. High school. Yeah, they'll pull. They'll pull some guy out of the class to play the Friday night music at the mixer. That'd, That'd be, be you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me think here. How long have I been out of high school? I guess what? I guess next year is the 45th reunion or something like that. You know how many high school reunions I've been to? I will say zero. Zero. Yeah. There's actually a reason for that. They always hold the high school reunion Thanksgiving weekend. Now, where am I usually on Thanksgiving weekend? <laughs> Three words, regular season finale. <laughs> I, I, so they'll send back, why won't you be able to attend? I'm broadcasting the Penn State-Michigan State football game Saturday. <laughs> Now that I'm avoiding my high school pal's intention. They, 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 they probably think I'm full of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> like, let's see, Thanksgiving this year, I've got a basketball game in Brooklyn on Wednesday night. I've got a basketball game in Brooklyn Friday night. I've got a football game Saturday in Beaver Stadium. <laughs> Now, we don't have a reunion this year, but the, for example, that's my Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> they probably look at me and go, oh, yeah, sure you are, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> You're just making stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> so I've never gone. Now, you've gone before? I have. Um, I missed two of them because actually I had Sunbury Broadcasting work stuff that weekend. I it was other people were on vacation and had like double duty remotes to do and whatnot. So I've missed two of them. I've gone to I've gone to the rest of them. Mm, I'm over. Yep. It was the fifteenth, fifteen, the fifteen year and the twenty year. Those were the two that I missed for for mine. Yeah, I've missed five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five. <laughs> 30, 35, 40. But that's when they have it. They always have it Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, We have a guy in our class that lives in Alaska. So so by default, he wins the furthest traveled award every year. Yeah, I, you know. I mean... Like one year, for example, Penn State wasn't playing football on Thanksgiving weekend, but I had a basketball game. <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> Why can't you go this weekend? I have basketball at Kentucky at Rupp Arena. No, really. What are you doing this? <laughs> I'm not serious. <laughs> uh. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.